0: like to read the scripture that we're going to read together, Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 28, and we're going to read about three verses there, but it is the third verse or the 16th verse uh, that I want to key in on. So Isaiah chapter 28, beginning with the 14th verse down through the 16th verse. And the prophet speaks and he says, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell are we in agreement or at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. But here's a promise from God in the midst of all of this struggle and in the midst of all of this turmoil. Therefore says the Lord, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth shall not make haste. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning, ask that you would bow your heads and let's pray together and ask the Lord for his anointing and ministering the word today. Father, we're thankful today for the blessings of the Lord. We're thankful today for the opportunity to come to the house of God. We're thankful this morning, Heavenly Father, for your goodness, your mercy to us, and we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have sensed and felt as we have worshiped your name here this morning in song, and we come now to the reading of the word and the ministry of your word, and all I can ask, Lord, is that you will use me, that you will anoint me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you will give me a divine ability to speak your word, put your words in my mind and in my mouth, your thoughts in my heart. Help me to share them with liberty and clarity and under the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, I ask. Above all things, Lord, I ask that everything that is said and everything that is done, that it'll be done to glorify Christ and that it will be done to edify Christ the body of Christ. And for all of these things, we will be eternally grateful and thankful for them in Jesus' precious name. And everyone in agreement said amen. Amen. So uh, it is that 16th verse this morning that I want to key in on or that I want to really speak about. For that is the golden text or the golden section, if you will, of our text. But let me just begin by giving you some historical uh, context to the verses that we have read today. The book of Isaiah was written about 700 to 750 years prior to the birth of Jesus Christ. Much of it was written at a time when both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah were experiencing a great deal of trouble and turmoil. At this particular time of our text, the people of God had turned their back upon the Lord. They had determined to follow their own sinful ways and their own wickedness in their hearts. And they had become morally bankrupt or spiritually depleted and impoverished. They had turned their back upon the God of their fathers and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, and they they had no longer sought the Lord for his protection and for his divine guidance. They were not only in trouble spiritually, but they were also in trouble in the civil area of their nation. Their streets were in turmoil and in trouble and, and be, all because that the, the kingdom of Assyria had determined to destroy them. At that time, the Assyrian Empire was sweeping across Europe and sweeping across the land and, and taking everything in its path. And Jerusalem and the people of God were setting in that pathway. But in the midst of all of that turmoil, God had given them a promise. God had promised to his people and to the nation that if, if they would trust in him and if, that, if they would turn to him with a whole heart and if they would give their lives back to him and trust in him, that he would spare them and that he would be their source. And that he would be their supply. He would be their comfort and their protection. But rather than turning to God, rather than turning back to God, the children of God turn to other nations. They turn to the Egyptians and ask them for their protection. They turned to the other nations instead of turning back to God. They turned to little G gods. They turned to their idols and they turned to evil worship. Instead of repenting and aligning themselves with God, they turned further and further away from the Lord. And they, they leaned upon the, the other nations for their protection. The Bible says these words in Psalms 118 and verse number 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put our confidence in man. It is better, verse 9 says, to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 5, the scripture says, Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength and whose heart departs from the Lord. Understand that both of those scriptures are telling us that we are in a foolish place when our faith and our trust and our hope is in the arm of mankind. Amen. When we put our hope and our trust in the things of this world and the things that are around us. Amen. We are placing ourselves in a very foolish place because we have forsaken The Lord, the people here in our text, instead of turning to God, they turn to the other nations and make alliances with them so that they are leaning on them for their protection. This morning, I want to ask you a question. Those of you that are watching by the the YouTube channel, ask you a question. In whom or in what are you placing your faith? and your hope, and your trust. In whom or in what are you placing your faith and your confidence? In whom or in what have we put our hopes and our future and our dreams? Amen. Let me just share with you this morning that we need to be careful where we place our hope and our trust and our faith. Amen. We see all around us this morning that there is trouble on every hand. And yet, I want you to understand this morning that there is a safe place. There is a safe place that we can run to. There is a hiding place, amen, that we can, amen, run into that strong tower and find safety. And his name is Jesus. Isaiah, if you will look at that 16th verse one more time with me. We're going to break it down just a little bit this morning. That 16th verse says, Therefore, in all of this trouble, in all of these circumstances, in all of this terror, in all of the turmoil that they were facing, God gives them a hope. And he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, behold, I Lay a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and whoever believes will not act hastily. Pastor Gary, what exactly does that mean? Let me just teach for a few moments. The King James Version says, Whosoever believes, will not act hastily. Some of you here this morning, maybe you are reading a different translation and it reads a little differently. But in the original language, it is basically telling us that the individual who believes will not be rushed, will not be quickly moved, or will not be moved hastily. Amen. Amen. It is a verbal picture declaring that the one who places their trust and their confidence in the Lord will not be quickly moved or will not quickly retreat in fear. The Apostle Paul adds a, a layer of depth or a layer of meaning when he quotes this very verse in the book of Romans. And I'm going to read that to you, Romans chapter 10. We know it as the Romans road. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through verse 11, Paul says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture hath said, Now, pay attention. He's fixing to quote Isaiah 8 and 16. He said, For the Scripture has said that whosoever believes in him shall not be ashamed. The King James says, In the Old Testament, not act hastily. Paul adds he will not be ashamed. He adds yet another layer of, of meaning to that. Peter, the apostle, does the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Wherefore, it is also contained in the scripture. What he's saying is, I am fixing to quote Isaiah 28 and 16. It is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believes on him will not be confounded. Hmm. So understand that act hastily, shall not be ashamed, shall not be confounded are all the same thing. They mean the same thing. We could add a few more descriptive adjectives as well. Amen. We could add, whosoever believes in him will not be ashamed, will not be humiliated, will not be regretful, will not be remorseful, will not be disappointed, will not be disturbed. All of those fit. Will not be confounded Will not be confused Will not be perplexed Amen you understand why Amen let me just tell you this morning If you're living in a place Where you were living in confusion and perplexion I got some good news for you God laid a foundation stone Amen in Zion And God doesn't want you living In perplexion and confusion He wants you to understand That he's in control The message that God wants us to hear is that if we will place our trust in the Lord, if we will put our trust and our faith in this foundation, in this stone, in this rock, we will not be quickly moved like the sands of the sea. If we put our trust and our faith, amen, and our hopes and our future in this stone, this rock, this foundation, amen, we will not be disturbed. We will not be put to shame. We will not be disappointed. Amen. Can I tell you this morning, church, that if we put our faith and our hopes in people, they will let you down. If we put our faith and our hopes in a president or a political party, you're going to wind up being disappointed. Hello? If you put your faith and your trust in the United States of America or any other government, amen, you're going to wind up being disappointed. If you put your faith in man-made institutions, amen, you're going to wind up being disappointed. If you put your hopes and your faith in the character of a man, you're going to wind up being dis- amen, disappointed and confused. Amen. If you're put your trust in religion or your own goodness you're going to wind up disappointed but if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ he will never disappoint you he will never disappoint you if we anchor our faith in the foundation stone that was laid by the hand of God if we put our hopes and our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ the rock of ages the the sure foundation amen we will never be ashamed and we will never regret amen we will never be disappointed in him amen in the book of Daniel chapter 2 Daniel has a vision from God. And we are prophetically told in the book of Daniel chapter 2 that there is a stone that falls on Daniel's statue and it crushes the ten toes. It It literally obliterates. Daniel says concerning that stone that it became a mountain and filled the whole earth. What stone is he talking about? The stone that Daniel is speaking of in Daniel chapter 2 is none other but the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The stone that Daniel is talking about will crush and remove all of the other nations of this world. Daniel makes it clear that the kingdoms of this world will come and go and that rulers of this world will come and go. They will come and pass away and disappear. But that king, that rock, that stone, amen, that king, he will set up a kingdom and of his kingdom, Daniel said, there shall be no end. Mm. that kingdom, that stone, that king, that rock, that foundation is where we need to place our trust. This morning I would like to take just a few moments and, and, and minister to you about five areas that I believe that this 16th verse speaks of that gives us some insight into the attributes of Jesus Christ, Christ the stone. Consider these five things with me. First, the first thing that we must consider is that Jesus is our foundation stone. Amen. Notice that verse 16 says, Therefore says the Lord, Behold I, who? God. God the Father, behold, I, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone. Notice that it was God Almighty that placed the stone in place. Amen. And the foundation that he speaks of is the foundation of our salvation. Our salvation rests in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our foundation rests upon the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us a complete and a sure foundation, amen, for our eternal salvation. And that foundation is based on, based upon, built upon the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other name for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved first corinthians 3 and 11 says for there is no other foundation that any man can lay that has already been laid which is jesus christ jesus said in john 14 and 6 i am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no man can come unto the Father except by me. Jesus talked to a bunch of Pharisees one day in John chapter 10 and this is what he said to them. I am the door. Understand. Amen. They knew exactly what he was meaning. In that tabernacle in the wilderness there was only one door one way into that tent. One way into that tabernacle And when Jesus said, I am the door, he was saying, I am the only way to get to God. And what I'm saying this morning is that Christ is our foundation, He is our foundation stone, He is the basis upon which our salvation rests. Amen, the old hymn says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, and I love the final line, All other ground is sinking sand. He is our foundation. Have you put your trust in him? Have you trusted in the rock of ages? Jesus illustrated his place in our salvation by the parable of two houses. You will read it. One house was built upon the rock. One house was built upon the sand. You will read it in Matthew chapter 7. And these are the words of Jesus. He said, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man, a man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the flood came and the wind blew and beat upon the house and it fell not. And he goes on to answer why. Because it was built upon a rock. It was built upon a firm, solid foundation. And then he says, And everyone that hears my saying and does not do them, Shall be likened unto a foolish man Which built his house upon the sand And the rain descended And the floods came And the winds blew And it beat upon the house And the house fell And then he goes on to say And great was the fall of it What was the difference They both experienced rain They both experienced the wind They both experienced the storms of life But one was built upon a rock And one was built upon upon shifting sand, I came to tell you today, build your house, build your life, build your family, build your future upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that's sure. Ah, Good Lord in heaven, I'm gonna get happy. Amen. That ain't the only place that we... See that Jesus is the rock. Matthew chapter 16. The Bible said that Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And the Bible said that he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they began to tell him what the rumors were. They began to tell him the town gossip. Some say you're Elias, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but whom say you that I am? And Peter got a revelation from God. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said these words, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now there are some folks that misinterpret and they think Peter is the rock. Not so. Not so. No. No, Peter ain't the rock. What Jesus was saying was upon this revelation... Upon the uh, revelation and the confession of who I am and who you are. I'm going to build my church upon that rock of revelation. I'm going to build my church upon, amen. I'm going to build my church substantiated by the fact of who you are and who I am. I'm going to build it upon a rock. Jesus was saying he was the rock. Hmm. In other words understand uh, amen on the understanding of who you are and who I am uh, the rock the foundation the stone uh, amen I will build my church uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and you know why the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church uh, is because it was built upon a living rock uh, whoever lives to make intercession for you and I uh, hallelujah he alone is that solid rock. He alone is the foundation of the church. He alone is the foundation that we need to be building upon. Amen. Building upon that foundation stone. The second thing that we need to consider is that Jesus is a tried stone. Verse 16 said, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone. In Isaiah 28 and 16, that word tried means a tested stone, a proven stone, a proven stone, a tested stone. He was a tested stone from eternity past. Amen. From eternity past, he, his word has always proven to be true. He is a tried and true foundation when you want to talk about going through the fire. Just ask the three Hebrew children. He's a tried and true foundation. He's a tried and proven foundation when you are going through the floods of life. Just ask Noah. He's a tried and true foundation. When you are experiencing tribulation and turmoil in your life. If you doubt that, go ask Job. He's a tried and true foundation in death. Ask Stephen. He's a tried and true foundation when we are facing the giants in our life. Just go ask David. Uh, Amen. What I'm saying this morning uh, is that he is a tried uh, and he is a tested uh, and proven uh, to be the glorious and obedient son of the living God. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, and tempted in the garden of Gethsemane, and he came through with flying colors. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 18 says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are also tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like as we are. And yet He was without sin. I said he is a tried and tested and proven stone. He's tried. He's proven. He's tested. His lordship Amen, has been verified and confirmed. His sonship has been established and endorsed by God almighty. He, amen, his sacrifice was confirmed and accepted at Calvary. I came to tell you this morning that he is a foundation and he is a proven stone and proven to be faithful. Hebrews 10 and 23 said let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful who promised Mm. the third thing that we need to consider is that Jesus is a precious cornerstone I'm going to break those apart I'm going to talk about precious and then talk about cornerstone he's a precious stone The scripture says a precious cornerstone. He's a precious stone. First Peter chapter two and verse seven says, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stones, the stone that the builders rejected or disallowed, the same is made the head of the cornerstone. Peter is saying that he may not mean much to those who are in the world. He may not mean much to the disobedient, but to us that have experienced his grace and have experienced his mercy, he is a precious stone. Amen, he is a foundation. He is a tried and proven uh, foundation, and he is a precious stone. The word precious has a twofold meaning. When we speak of precious stones or valuable stones, we call them precious, such as diamonds and rubies, precious stones. Amen, Jesus Christ is the most valuable thing in my life. Hello? He is the most most valuable thing to me. He means everything to me. I got to thinking about it while I was jotting down my notes sitting on the patio yesterday. And I thought, oh Lord, you mean so much to me. And you are so precious in my eyes. You are so valuable. And these words just begin to roll from my heart. He is the lily of my valley. He is my bright and morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is my counselor. He is my Prince of Peace. In other words, when my heart is in turmoil and I lay on my bed tossing and turning and worrying about this thing and worrying about that thing, I can go to him and I can find peace that passes all understanding. I can find joy that's unspeakable and full of glory because he's my Counselor. He's my prince of peace. He's my mighty God. He's my pearl of great price. Do you remember that little parable, that little story in the word of God? A man finds a a pearl of great price hidden in the earth or hidden in the ground and he goes and sells everything that he has so he can go purchase that piece of ground and have that pearl that's him. That's that. I mean, I, I would give everything up so that I might win him, that I might be near him. He is my pearl of great price. He's precious. More, the, we used to sing a song when I was growing up that went, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, what a wonder you are. You are brighter than the morning star." You are fairer, much fairer than the lily that grows by the way. You are precious, more precious than gold. The world will offer you all kinds of little trinkets that shine, but there is nothing more valuable than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Amen. This stone is precious. That word precious also Carries the meaning of affection. We often call the one we love precious. My wife is precious to me. My children are precious to me. My grandchildren are precious to me. Jesus is precious to me. He is a foundational stone. He is a proven and tried stone. And he is a precious stone. The fourth thing that Jesus is the cornerstone. Amen. That 16th verse says he's a precious cornerstone. Not just any stone, but the cornerstone. That's a very, very powerful meaning. In ancient times, builders used cornerstone. In their construction projects, the cornerstone was considered the principal stone. Every every cornerstone that was set and laid had to be laid completely in perfection because everything else was measured off of that cornerstone. Everything else was built from that cornerstone. The cornerstone was usually one of the largest, one of the most solid, and one of the most carefully constructed. Understand that when the Bible describes Jesus as the cornerstone, it is describing him as the cornerstone of the church. Jesus said unto them in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 42, Jesus said, did you never read in scripture the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. He is our cornerstone and in him or from him is everything measured. Two two meanings behind that word, cornerstone. The cornerstone was the place where two walls came together. It was the meeting place, the intersection, if you will, the meeting place of where two walls would come. The cornerstone was a place of intersection. Beloved, Jesus is the place where sinful men can be reconciled unto a holy God. He is our mediator. He is our meeting place between God and man. This is what the Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator, the man. Jesus Christ, what brings us together and what allows us to have a relationship with God the Father is our cornerstone, the place where we intersect and meet with God. He is our mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And once the cornerstone was set, it became the basis determining every measurement and the remaining construction, everything had to be aligned with the cornerstone. What are you saying, Pastor Gary? I'm saying that we need to align our lives with his. Everything that we do needs to be measured by and with his example to our lives. Amen, the cornerstone provides the lines, the pattern for all of the rest of the construction. If the cornerstone is straight and true, then the rest of the building will be able to stand. He is the chief position or the chief cornerstone of the church. Listen to Ephesians chapter two and verse number 19. Now, therefore, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Now therefore, you are no more strangers. You are no more foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you are built, listen to this, and you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In other words, we have been built upon the principles of Christ in whom, he goes on to say, in whom all of the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom also you are built together for an inhabitation of God, amen, for the spirit of God. In other words, when we build upon that foundation, that tried and true, that precious cornerstone, amen, everything within us is aligned with him, and we are an inhabitation for the presence or the spirit of God to dwell. Mm. (sighs) Hallelujah. The fifth thing that we need to consider is that Jesus is a sure foundation, a sure foundation. A sure foundation, the word sure means that it will not fail. It means that it will not crumble. It will not fail. Christ, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8, said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not fail. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 35, heaven and earth... Shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He is a sure foundation. The salvation that He provides will never fail. The life that He promises will be true. Understand this morning that we need to build upon a foundation that will forever last. My wife and I, many years ago, we lived, we lived at the corner of Central and Lower Bluff Road for, I don't know, right at 20 years. I bought the house right after I graduated from high school. I was an ambitious boy. <laughs> I, I bought the house. I didn't even live in the house for several years. Other folks lived there, but I bought the house right out of high school, and uh when my wife and I got married, we moved into that little house and we raised three boys there. Just before I got the itch to move and build a new house, we remodeled the old house. And we added about 1100 square feet to the building. We picked on four sides or three sides of the house. It was only one little wall about 15-20 feet that we didn't that we didn't mess with. <laughs> But we built all the way around it, took all the old rafters off and put all new trusses on and all that kind of thing. We got it all done. It was an old house with a new facelift. And I told my wife, I have always wanted to design something and build it from the ground up. She's like, we just got through finishing this place. I'm like, I know, I know. It just started a fire inside of me. I, I mean it just rekindled that dream. I want to I want let's design. we'd sit down after dinner. The boys would be off doing whatever they were doing playing outside or you know by that time they were actually old enough working at hometown pizza and all that kind of thing. So her and I would sit down after dinner and we would draw up plans. I'd say we could do this and we could do that and she would go, "Oh, I like that. Well, if honey likes that, that's what honey gets." <laughs> That's how that works at my house. So, because <laughs> I love honey, so you know, I would take it over to the to the uh, individual, the the folks that drew up the plans and the architects and all that kind of thing, and they they would go, "Yes, whether we could do this and we could change this and switch that." And I'm like, "Oh yes." So we get it all together. And the Lord allowed me to build a brand new house that, you know, I always wanted to be, I wanted to do it from the ground up. And and I had a great deal, the parts I didn't do, I actually, you know, was the general contractor and I was able to pick who I wanted to to build and all that and do the work for me. I was there every day from the time we broke ground to the time the last nail was driven. The last little strip of paint went on and it was a lot of work there were a lot of hopes and dreams built in to that material house and just think if we had have skimped on the foundation i mean we built it in 2003 it might have already collapsed by now hello if we hadn't put rebar and if we hadn't went the extra mile and did this and that and you know, put quality into it, it might already be falling down. But it was built solid. I was there every day. I made sure that we did the right stuff. When I didn't know what to do, I got good advice. And I had good quality people show up and do work. What I'm saying was when we build it, we endeavored to build it right. If you want to build your life on something that will last, build it upon the principles of God. Build it upon the rock, the sure foundation, the tried and proven precious stone. God said, behold, I know, I know you are experiencing turmoil and there are troubles and there are unsightful things all around you. But I got a promise for you. Behold, I lay in Zion a sure foundation. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that I'm endeavoring to build on the rock. Build on the rock, Christ Jesus. And when the winds come, and the rains come, and the floods come, your house, your spiritual life, your family will be left standing. Because it was built upon the right stuff. Bow your heads, please. All over the building this morning, bow your heads and i have our musicians come back today heavenly father i thank you that you are a sure foundation that you are a tried tested and proven cornerstone that is precious and sure Thank you, Lord, that when we build our hearts and our lives and our ways upon your foundation, when we follow your example, when we build upon the cornerstone, that, Lord, we will have a life that lasts enduringly throughout eternity because we have built upon the solid rock, Christ Jesus. Speak to us here this morning. If there are some of us here, Lord, that are trying to take some shortcuts and trying to build on some improper things, improper material, if we're trying to cut some corners here and cut some corners there, Help us understand that we are being foolish. Help us to understand that one day our foolishness will come at a great cost. Because those things that we have tried to build will crumble in our hand. But help us also to know that if we build upon the principles of Christ the word of our God the rock our foundation that no matter what comes no matter what storms may blow through what we're going to stand because we built upon him Help us to see what is important and what is unimportant. Speak to us here this morning, I ask in Jesus' precious name. Holy Spirit, take the words that I have endeavored to preach and touch our hearts in Christ's name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are are there someone here in this place that would be willing to slip your hand and say, Preacher, I didn't know it when I got here today, but I realized I've been building on some, some of the wrong things. God sees your hand, yes. I didn't, I didn't realize it, but I've been building on some wrong materials, some wrong things. Anybody else, you'd slip up your hand say, that's me, that's me. Are you here this morning? You'd be willing to slip up your hands and say, Lord, help me to build a lasting life upon Jesus, my Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Stand to your feet all over the building. They're going to come and sing worship one more time as we are dismissed. God bless you this morning.